So, a good while ago, uh, I can't remember how long exactly, you recommended a game uh, to me, and I think on the podcast as well. Oh. Uh, the Paperclips game. Yes, the Paperclips game. Yeah, yeah. So, I finally got around to playing it recently. Oh, okay. And um, I've, I've, I've been playing a couple of other incremental games as well. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed the Paperclips game. Um, now, this is, this is a little bit spoilery for anyone who hasn't played it. Um, so skip ahead, because it's really worth playing. And it's not that long a game. It's like, you can clear it in like, you know, if you were to dedicate an entire day to just playing this game, you can clear it in a single day. I cleared it in a single sitting, so you could technically yeah. pause. You, you and could do it in, in an evening, maybe. Sure, for sure. Yeah. So, you know how everything on the internet is terrible or a scam in some kind of way? I mean... Like, or everything is, is tracking your data to sell you things. Well, I mean, every, or, everything bar Artifexian, Bill. Everything bar Artifexian, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. And, you know, it came out a couple months ago that Juggalo Makeup uh, defeated facial recognition software. And immediately... When that was in the news, when that was in tech news, uh, Snapchat and Instagram and stuff, they introduced Juggalo makeup filters. So you could like take a selfie and put a Juggalo makeup on it. So they were gathering data on what people looked like with Juggalo makeup so that facial recognition software could overcome that that flaw. Well, hang on a second. What is Juggalo makeup? I didn't hear any of this. You've never heard of Juggalos? No, what's Juggalo? Well, that, that, that's just a whole other thing. <laughs> um, juggalos are fans of the Insane Clown Posse. Uh, okay, what's an Insane Clown Posse? An Insane Clown Posse is a uh, rap group from Michigan. All right, are they like a new rap group or do they go way back? Should I know them? They've been around since the mid-90s, I think, maybe the early 90s. Oh. Um, and they have like an evil clown makeup and, and stuff. Um, slip, juggalos are weird, man. Slipknot, um, slip basically. Uh, well, makeup rather than masks. Only sure. one of Slipknot was a clown. He's dead, actually. But anyway. The clown is dead? I'm pretty sure. Okay, we're getting derailed already, but hang on. That's, that, I don't think that's correct. Like, I know the bassist is dead. Oh, no, he's not. That, oh. uh, yeah, that's what I, 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 yeah, sorry. The bassist is dead, not, not, not Sean. I yeah, yeah. Sean was dead. Yeah, no, no, the rest of them, the rest of them are still intact. Um. Okay. Anyhow, anyhow, we're getting off point. So the, we are being data mined left, right, and center. Yeah, and you know, everything has some kind of other thing to it, um, some kind of like nefarious um, alternate uh, reasoning to it. What if the paperclips game, <laughs> right, is being run by a paperclip optimizing artificial intelligence in order to test out different <laughs> strategies for paperclip optimization? It's using us to crowdsource, like what the, the the different approaches that are that are possible to see which are the most effective. That's my hot take. That's that's an interesting hot take. Uh, you're a hundred percent wrong, obviously. What? What are you basing that on? Well, well, because 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 it's a paper clips game, man. Yeah, and Juggalo makeup Snapchat filters are just Juggalo makeup Snapchat filters. Sure. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, sure. I mean, it is technically possible. It'd be hilarious if Big Paperclip was actually behind this. It'd be love you laugh. Um, I just to say everyone should not everyone should go play the game and not be scared of it it's fine <laughs> despite what Bill thinks <laughs> <laughs> it is a great game it is a great game but anyway that's 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 my uh, hot take to open the to open the episode with yeah cool all right should we do some follow-up 
<laughs> right, so uh, follow up. I'm just going to kick straight into this. We totally forgot to answer Ben's questions from the last episode. Uh, ben being uh, the person who uh, contributed to last uh, last episode's Bank of Artifexia, I just completely forgot to address his questions. And so I'm going to right or wrong and do that here. Ben asked us about what our thoughts are on the Toronto flag and what we think of the Manchu gender system. So we'll start with the Toronto flag. Bill, open up the link there. What do you think of the flag of Toronto? Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Um, it's kind of strange. It's really strange. It's it looks it looks like a corporate logo. Y- yes, uh, the maple leaf thing doesn't look so corporate logo-y. It looks like that's been stuck there. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's 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 slightly like I I like it. There's something I like about it, but there's something kind of awkward about it as well. Yeah, I think it's the positioning. Uh, sorry, yeah. we're way ahead of ourselves here. Uh, for people who are just listening to this in audio form, uh, Toronto flag, its uh, portions are two to one. Uh, it's got a blue field. And then on this blue field is like a abstract white thing that looks... God, what's it look like? It looks like the corners of a rectangle. Um, corners of two rectangles lined up and just off center on the flag. You need to actually go look at this. It's kind of a hard thing to to describe. And then down below uh, on the flag, at the very, very, very bottom, is a bright red uh, maple leaf. And I think it's the like, position, like the one on the national flag, exactly. And I think it's the position of the maple leaf that like it's teeny tiny and it's stuck like in the lower third and it's off center makes the whole thing really weird. Like if they drop the maple leaf flag, I think this would be a really good, albeit slightly corporate but a really good minimalist flag. The maple leaf is just, it's just weird. I, I just, I don't mm. get it. So apparently the, oh, I see it now. Okay. So the, um, the the two white shapes are meant to be the twin uh, the twin towers of the Toronto City Hall and if you if you look at the Toronto City Hall it does kind of make sense they're they're these curved buildings um so i, I see what i was going for for that there's there's a big um what's the big spire in toronto that's what it made me think of the big spire in toronto <laughs> oh it's it's like it's, it's there's a few buildings like it in in, in various cities. Um, oh, the CN Tower. The CN Tower. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The CN Tower. Um, it, it made me kind of think of that. Although that's got a very different. Yeah, it's got a very different shape, actually. I, I think. But, you know, it, the, the white. Can you see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. The, but the white part is the good part. I think the white part is solid. Um, it's the. Well, I don't know. I, I wasn't criticizing it. I was mm-hmm. just saying that's what it made me think of. That's what's what I initially thought it was meant to be, kind of like the. The CN Tower. Oh, holy, um, holy cow. It was designed by a 21-year-old. What are we doing with our lives, Bill? Look at us. Podcasting. Look at us, like, nearly 30, not having designed any official flags. Oh. oh those. If, if, you, if by nearly 30, you mean closer to 31 than 30, then yes. <laughs> oh, are you, have you crossed over? Are, are you 30? Yeah. Get out. When did you turn 30? My last birthday. 
<laughs> okay, I realize I realize you probably don't want to give out things, so I'll beep it or edit it out. Uh, no, it was it was uh, my birthday's in October. Your birthday is in October, so you've been thirty for a whole year, Bill. Almost. Wow. Almost. I've said it before, but you old. I I mean I'm I'm basically dead already. I mean, there's no point going on. It's it's bad. That's that is crazy. God damn it. It's gonna it's gonna get to the stage where no one in our friends group is gonna be in their twenties anymore. Like obviously, but that's gonna be a weird time. Yep. Um, that's a linear time for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's gonna be so strange if you were like if you're hanging out with someone and you're like, oh, how old are you? Twenty six. You're like, whoa, whoa, child. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's mad. I'm gonna be turning thirty in uh, in December, and uh, if it just it feels it feels not weird. Like everyone says that it's gonna be this like big weird thing, and like oh, it's terrible turning thirty. I'm like it's it's grand. Like I don't understand what the big deal is. I guess if you don't have your kind of ducks in a row, it could feel a bit weird or a bit kind of like oh crap, time is getting away from me. But if you if your life is kind of going pretty chill, it's just another birthday. I think, anyways. Yeah, no, it, I, I don't really like birthdays anyway, so it didn't really, didn't really affect me much. Yeah, sure, for sure. Um, how do we go on to this? Oh, yes, the twenty-one-year-old from uh, George Brown College uh, came up with this flag, and it's an official use, and it makes me jealous. Um, <laughs> o- overall, overall, I think it's a good flag. The maple leaf doesn't really need to be there, and it would have been better had they just gotten rid of it. Um, I think we'll be bare without it. I think if it was just the blue and white, it would be too little. I mean, you could do something else. Um, I think, yeah. I, but I think here's another thing. I think that bothers me is that the 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 towers, the white towers, they're quite like streamlined and abstract, um, and quite minimalist. And then the the maple leaf is quite detailed. So there's kind of an odd juxtaposition there. So if they brought in another element that was as simplistic as the towers, I think that would work. Yes, that's it. Anyway, so that was that a Toronto flag. I think we're we're both it's it's an okay flag, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, now the Manchu gender system. Uh, I had no idea that there was a Manchu gender system. I I've no real idea about uh, the Manchu language at all, really. Um, a quick look on Wikipedia uh, tells me that the gender system is kind of baked in um, with vowel harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, words differ in vowel quality and those vowel qualities are associated with masculine objects and feminine objects. So, uh, I believe mm-hmm. the example they give on Wikipedia is, uh, a woman is, uh, hey, was it, hey, like, he, 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 let's say he, he, um, whereas e is like, um, uh, according to the vowel harmony, it's like a feminine sound, and then ah, man, haha, um, the ah is a masculine sound, so it's kind of gender in vowel harmony, um, which mm-hmm. I guess is pretty cool. I don't know of any language that that does that, um, but I also don't know if it's it's technically like grammatical gender. It's more kind of like, um, like sound symbolism in a way. Yeah, I I can't figure out from the last time I, I read this, like from, from the last episode, whether they actually have uh, like a noun classes like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Man- it actually says, sorry, it says here in, in the opening paragraph, Manchu does not have the kind of grammatical gender um, 
but some gendered words in Manchu are distinguished by different vowels. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I guess that's a really PIE sort of uh, PIE, PIE chauvinism in that, like, it doesn't have gender like we have gender. So it, <laughs> it, it may well have a fully fledged gender thing going on. It's just very different from from PIE, according to Wikipedia. And again, I need to stress here, I know nothing about Manchu. And I'm sure Bill, well, I'm not sure, but Bill, uh, I'm assuming you've never spoken about it. I'm sure you don't know much about Manchu either. There's a lot you don't know about me, Edgar. <laughs> like all of them gold medals, eh? Um, and there's also a lot I do not know about Manchu language because I don't know anything about the Manchu language <laughs> uh, But th- so those are our thoughts Ben uh, really sorry I just completely um, failed to come back around to the questions um, and that's the whole point of the Bank of Artifexia thing is that like I get to answer questions that people write in so apologies shall not happen again um, so that's point one point two um, let's talk some sandwiches yeah Let's. So the, my overarching feeling and response to the sandwich episode was one I think people really got in on it and like had good crack with us, which I think was really great. But the other point was like mm-hmm. everyone disagreed with, with me and you, Bill. It was bizarre. Yeah. It was so strange. And like obviously it's meaningless and it's like the whole point of this to show the, the arbitrariness of um enumerating things. Um, but like <laughs> I, I cannot it's, what are you doing counting nerd <laughs> but like I cannot fathom like cutting a sandwich in half and it not being two sandwiches like it's so that's so alien to me and then others in the yeah. subreddit were like what are you talking about of course it's two sandwiches and like they're they're clearly correct like they're well I technically they're correct uh, but it's just it's just crazy so that's one thing I want to highlight um, yeah, no, like, because I was, I was trying to think of it with analogies, but it's a, it's a very difficult one to do with analogies, because if you tear a book in half, you don't have two books. But, like, if you break a rock in half, you've got two rocks. Um, So it's kind of, you know, you can't really argue from that position, because you, you have to then justify what class or what category of object it falls into. But... Yeah, I, I think it's a, an issue of construction, not an issue of quantity. That's I think that's my fundamental. Yeah, yeah. my fundamental thing. Um, I started giving the uh, language discourse um, chart test to people in my life, and quite a few people around me are like hardline language conservatives. Like they really? they will not deviate from what is very typically a, a sandwich. Um, a lot of people. Um, like there was one person in particular who was just like, no, the, the top left-hand corner of the chart, that is a sandwich, all other things, not sandwiches. Um, and that mm. person, I was like, whoa, like that's crazy. Uh, and then a couple of other people were, uh, the left column. Oh, FYI, I'm going to put this back in the show notes for people who want to check out the graph and what we're talking about. Um, but mm-hmm. some people were like, the left column is sandwiches, everything else is not. But there tended to be a lot of people who skewed towards traditionalism which i thought was interesting yeah they're wrong obviously (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah so those those were oh sorry one last thing uh a u slash erzatz ludusium we'll go with that uh left a video called what is a sandwich and for anyone who's confused or like if we have confused anyone in the previous uh episode uh, about the definition of a sandwich you can just go watch this video and 
all will be clear, I assure you. <laughs> um, anything in email, Bill? Anything in email? Yeah, we've got one from Will, who is asking if it's possible for a planet to have all its landmass in the form of many, many islands. Uh, they like the concept of a world that is like that, um, but they're not sure how to justify it geologically. I mean, so I don't think there's a justification needed. You can just say you can just say that that setup exists, and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing about yeah. the way uh, a planet works that would disclude. Disclude is that a word, Bill? Um, exclude. Exclude that would exclude uh, many small islands. It's just you could just say that the whatever continental uh, land masses there were. Um, were very kind of like spiky, like had a lot of um, like isolated high altitude points. And then you could just say that sea levels rose and covered up most of the low-lying land and hey presto, a whole bunch of small yeah. islands. Or, you know, I mean, just the sea levels were always that way. You know, they don't have to have been yeah. a lower or a higher thing previously. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if, if sea levels were like a couple of thousand meters higher, on Earth, then it would just be island chains. Bingo, um, yeah, exactly. You'd have, like, the Rockies and the the Andes and the Himalayas. Yeah. To, they would all be kind of islands. Tibet would be grand. Tibet's just chilling there, everything's fine. <laughs> I read a book a couple of years ago, um, I might have mentioned it before, by, I think it's by Stephen Baxter, I'm going to check that. Oh, um, this sounds very familiar. Book one. Called Flood. No, this and sounds not familiar. <laughs> Um, and it's it's a sort of a near future where sea levels are rising uncontrollably, um, and it's in as it turns out in in the book, it's nothing to actually do with global warming or anything. It's um, water within the Earth's crust um, moves towards the surface, and turns out like there is a ton of water inside the crust, and like it's way more than is on the surface so could happen and it's 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 quite an interesting novel like it, it deals with with that uh in a really kind of convincing plausible way and you know how society deals with that breakdown or with that level of catastrophe and yeah it's, it's a good read uh one of tldr how he justifies it coming out of the crust um just like seismic activity or something huh interesting yeah um, that's mad. Uh, speaking of near future sci-fi stuff, just completely off topic. Um, you know the way you read sci-fi books sometimes, and they like invent words for a new technology that we don't have. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be something like I don't know, like the 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 copter car for a flying car, <laughs> or, or something like that. And you know, you know, an oculoscope. The what? The oculoscope. The oculoscope, exactly. Uh, and they always, whenever I, and there's well, a, like, a I don't know, I can't define it, but there's like a particular almost genre of sci-fi films that create these very particular sounding words to me that I always think sound really odd and out of place, right? And I'm, I'm always like, there's no way humans would actually call those things those things. And then the more I think about it, and the more I have kind of like, it has dawned on me when I'm out in the world that we have a whole bunch of bizarre science fiction sounding things just knocking around the world and we take them completely for granted. Like airport. Like airport is so weird when you think about 
like it's a port for the air like it's it's almost like a sci-fi writer who's not trying very hard it's like oh what is it like the airport and we all just went yeah we're sticking with that it's bizarre I mean, like, is this the thing that you've ever taught? Have you ever been sitting around the world? Be all like, that's it's named like this. That's really, it feels very inorganic, almost constructed. Is this a thing you ever think about, or is it just me? Uh, I don't think I've ever quite had that thought, but I kind of see what you're getting at. Um, but I mean, like, it it is constructed. Someone just like had to make up that word. Yeah, but uh, constructing the sense that it sounds very much like a sci-fi person was uh, a sci-fi writer is constructing it. I, I I appreciate and I realize that all words are constructed to a certain degree, uh, but it's more like constructed within the vein of let's write science fiction. Do you know what I mean? Um, they sound okay. like that. Airport, airport. Uh, yeah. Who? <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> uh, I wish uh, I had. I I uh, I've been meaning to keep a list of these bizarre words. Um, but I've never gotten around to it and I wish I did now for, for this reason because like, on top of my head I can't think of another one but there's been a couple where I've just been like that's mental that's crazy anywho, anywho. Uh, when do you think the the word airport was first used when do I think it was first used okay what's, what's fa- your guess for the first usage of the word airport so the fact that you're br- you're asking me this means that's going to be an awful lot earlier than I think it is um, no. Okay. Well, it's just a question. Well, when was the first? When were the first planes invented? So the Wright brothers' first powered flight was in 1903. Okay. Now, I'm going to just say that there existed something that we humans did that required that name, unrelated to airplanes, like a hundred years before that. <laughs> Um, so actually, no. This isn't. This doesn't say that it's the very first use of the word. So, but anyway, um, the earliest one I'm seeing here is 1902. Oh, crap. Um, the the Brooklyn Daily Eagle newspaper dared to dream that New York will be the greatest airport in the world. So that was like like a port, like a, like an airport city, like a city where, where there's a load of air traffic. Um. The first time it was used for a specific location was in 1919, describing Badder Field, which was a site in Atlantic City. Hmm. Spaceship mm. Bill is another one. Spa- yeah, Spaceship, that is a weird one. Spaceship, like, or even Space Shuttle. Like, that's e- that's even more bizarre, I think, because it, it sounds like, you know, like a shuttle bus, but except with space, Space Shuttle. Like, whoa, lads. Like, wh- why didn't we call it the, like, ersatz ludiosum thing like you know it's just it's it's just it's weird i can't describe it uh, why didn't you call it the void falcon the void falcon oh my god that's a brilliant name man did you just come up with that on the fly yes wow title of the show <laughs> void falcon i love that Actually, sounds like a badass people, novel. People are gonna people are gonna see that and be like, "Oh, cool! They must have done some like real interesting sci-fi world building. You know, it's gonna be full of assassins, and <laughs> lasers." No, it's, I mean, I made I, a silly word. I mean, I haven't read your um, your piece of prose yet, so for all I know, you could have written about assassins and lasers aboard the spaceship Void Falcon. 
uh i hope that answered your question will sorry for the tangents um just go for it there's no justification needed it's a perfectly stable situation on a yeah. terrestrial planet um no, I, don't, I don't see any reason that that would be you know awkward or peculiar or anything i think it's i think it's totally legit yeah 100 percent. and just to be that guy earth technically is a collection of rather large islands moving on <laughs> Okay, uh, Bill, do you mind if I go first? Just because uh, I, I have relatively little to say about my video uh, sure. this time. Um, um, just, go for it. I know, just feel like going first. Um, okay, so uh, myself and uh, Mitch, a.k.a. Jan Measley from the Conline Critic, got together and we made a video about uh, inventing uh, number systems. Uh, specifically, we invented a number system for uh, or with OA in mind. <clears throat> uh Overall, uh, I'm I was I'm super happy with it. I think we we kind of pulled out a really cool and fun video, um, but there was a couple of like minor, really minor uh, errors in it that I want to flag that really kind of annoyed me. Um, mm -hmm. But just for the sake of clarity, so um, we Jan Measley uh, brings up Japanese as having seven sets of number words. Um, it has more than seven. Uh, the audio should have said at least seven or something like that. It's kind of a trippy thing where it's like, depending on, on how you count them, uh, it can have like two or it can have like a gajillion. Um, so it was a non-exhaustive, so we, we presented in an exhaustive list, but it's not exhaustive. So that's that's a, it's an important point. Um other one is that I messed up my own language, which is always fun when that happens. I said C Lama means uh, six books, when in fact it does not mean six books. It means four books. The word C <coughs> in Oa is four. I just got completely messed up there. Uh, and I also mispronounced. What even is counting? Come on. Miscounting wrong in the thing that I invented. Um, and I also pronounced uh, one of my words wrong. I pronounced uh, the word for F0, the number F0, um, as ROAS. When that is incorrect, it should be ROAS. And there's a difference. Exactly. There's a difference there. And I just, I just missed it in the thing. Um, it's a regional dialect. Re yeah, regional dialect, some might say. <laughs> uh, although it's a problem because ROAS is also a number. Um, so ROAS and ROAS are distinct. If there's going to be regional dialect, they'd have to differentiate uh, somehow. But so not not mm. major things, but just like little... After the past couple of videos where it was like literally I, co I couldn't find a problem with them and nor could any of the commenters, this is kind of has a couple of ones in there that always hurt. And it's impossible to eradicate every mistake, but you know, and it's important to talk about your mistakes when you do make them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quick, quick little story. I was contacted by, uh, off the back of this video, I was contacted by a, uh, a agent of big mathematics, in quotes. Uh, we're all in the pockets of big math. We're all in the pockets of big math. And I actually, this is, this is actually not entirely joking. Uh, so this person uh, who's a Patreon of the, the main channel was like, I will pledge a little bit extra this month if you mention base 120. Um, and then I, I jokingly said like, D don't worry about pal. Uh, I, I'm not able to do that because big math has me in their pocket. Like we're, that's why I shift to like base 16, that sort of crack. Um, mm. And then this person goes like, no, 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 no. I am big math and proceeds to tell me about how they have legitimately been lobbying 
their local representative to get base 120 symbolically recognized in their state. And I was like, are you, you're, you're taking the piss here. And they're like, no. And I was, and I kept, you know, kind of like questioning and stuff. And like, from what I can tell, this person's being legit. Like, it, it, like their, their passion is base 120 and getting it recognized, which, which I thought was uh, amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I'll give, cool. I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So, uh, here's to base 120 and getting it recognized in whatever state that this person lives in. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess. I mean, it's it's not that's not going to be like a, a f- like a full base one hundred and twenty with one hundred and twenty individual uh, digits, right? Well, I hope not. But I mean, I guess you know it can be divided by two, three, four, five, six. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's not 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 bad a choice. Yeah, it's yeah. If they had all the digits, though, it would be just massively unwieldy. There has to be some sort of sub sub base thing going on. The person does yeah. have a whole thing. Like, I, and another thing that made this whole thing hilarious is that this person was like, um, "I'm actually like working on getting it into pamphlet form, so I could like you know present the information to like non uh, technical people." Um, so they're going to have to consider all these things and like come up with a system and all that sort of jazz. I just thought that was hilarious. Like, legitimately, man big math <laughs> uh, and then last thing this isn't related to uh, the video at all but it may be a thing that I'll put in future videos about numbers because I really want to do another number video because um, we didn't even scratch the surface of like how crazy counting can get um, I came across a thing called the Kaktovic Inupiaq numerals which I'm definitely butchering but these are a uh, numeral system uh, invented uh, in 94 by uh, students from Kaktovik, Alaska. More students doing great things with themselves, and here's me not. <laughs> but they're, uh, open, if you open the link there, Bill, and links in the show mm-hmm. notes for everyone, this is this really brilliantly simple, like super Edgar uh, numbering system, which is basically, it's just a tally, yeah. it's a tally system. It's like every symbol is oh sorry it's it's base uh, 20 with a sub base of five every symbol that's not five ten or fifteen or twenty um is the symbol is made up of the number of marks that it represents so the symbol for one has one mark the symbol for two has two marks three three four four uh, and so on and the sort of genius advantage of this is that mathematics or like addition is made super easy because you simply just tack together the shapes. So, for example, like the um, the digit for two is is a V, and the digit for four is a W, because a V has two marks, two, and mm-hmm. a W has four marks for four. And so two plus two is a V plus a V, which is W. And, like, that's genius, and it holds the whole way. And it's just, it's beautifully elegant, wonderfully simplistic, and it also kind of looks kind of cool and modern. Um, so... I'll put a link in the show notes. People should go check it out. It's really great. It, it holds together within the sub-base, but like the from four to five is, is a little more obscure. That's like starting over with a new talent. Sure, yeah. But then five to six, you add the one, yeah. Sure, but each, yeah, so yeah, you're dead right, sorry. Within each sort of, yeah, sub-base, it holds. Um, mm-hmm. But like there's no way they could have a glyph for 19. That is 19 marks. No, no, like yeah. it's never going to happen. Uh, but it certainly takes a lot of the cognitive burden of mathematics off 
when you can just mash shapes together for the most part. Um, it's certainly a lot easier than, you know, our numeral system where two plus two is four. You're kind of like, well, why, why is two of those shape equal to that shape? You know, I think it's glorious. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. And everyone should go check it out. Yeah, that's really cool. Cool. Now, have you watched the video and do you have anything to bring up before we crack into a bit of world building? Um, before we hear about the Void Falcon. (laughs) Sorry, no. (laughs) I talked across it. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I don't don't think so, no. It was a good video. Um, uh, Another very successful collaboration. Um, I liked your... um, I liked the the glyphs you came up with. Thanks, man. Um, I thought they were they were nice and effective, and I liked the way you had the different. Um, sorry, the the word has gone out of out of my head now. But the different kinds of numbers, you know, like cardinal and ordinal, and and what's what's the word for those? Like for that as a category. I don't know actually. Like I used, oh. I didn't use a technical term in the video for it. I I said sets of numbers. Types of numbers? I don't. I have no idea. I thought you had, um, yeah. And I, I liked how uh, you uh, related it to Irish. That was good. It's just like the um, Hangul episode, way, 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 way back. It's a way of talking about a language without actually talking about the language. You just basically reinvent the thing. So I was like, I'll just, I'm just going to reinvent Irish to be able to talk about Irish without talking about Irish. Um, that's that's entirely fair. Yeah, and Irish is cool. Everyone should go also check that out. Uh, the numbering system is 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 mad, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's it's not that bad. It's only got numbers for people. That's the only weird thing about it. Well, it's got it's got four sets, man. So that's two more than we have. Like that's that's a lot more. How does it have four sets? So it has the the abstract numbers, like the disjunctive numbers. Um, yeah. It has the uh, non-human numbers, the human numbers, and then the ordinals. Are you talking about about Irish? Uh, yes, Irish man. <laughs> No, because the, the abstract is the same as the non-human. Um, go to Irish grammar there. There are three kinds of cardinal numbers. Yes, there's three kinds of cardinal numbers and one ordinal. Oh, and one ordinal. Yeah. So this, the disjunctive numbers are not the same as the non-human. And I'm assuming, uh, just a quick look at them. Yeah, no, they're, they're morphologically different, man. And they also carry the ah, which is dropped <sighs> for the other ones. They're- Barely. I mean, I think... I guess. I mean, I think there's four of them. People could go check in the show notes and see what they think, but I think there's enough. Yeah, I just thought... I, I just kind of always considered them to be basically the same. Yeah, but I suppose this is the sort of um, uh, warped perspective of speakers of the language. And not that we're yeah. fluent speakers, but like we don't tend to look at, our, at the language with like... Um, very objective eyes, do you know what I mean? Uh, and very, yeah. very um, inquisitive eyes. So, yeah, uh, apparently there's four. Oh, and I, I see, like, you have to go, like, three couple dig, like, three horse and ten, rather than yeah. three dig couple, yeah. Yeah, so there, there, so there are differences, so... Um, okay. So, yeah, which makes, again, coming sure. from a... It might seem easy-ish for us, because we were introduced to this in school, but coming from if English is your only language that you've ever been exposed to, like the mere concept of different numbers for different things can be really trippy, you know? Yeah. Um, but there you go. That's the video. Uh, world building. World building. Everyone's favorite part of the show. What's my favorite part? Well, it's, I, I love world building. It's great. I get to sit down and take notes on your work. It's wonderful. Um, 
Now, come here. Before we read, will you give us a quick reminder? If I'm pretty sure we've met this chap before. Um, so, would you give us a quick reminder of who Vistan is in your sort of overall summary and then go into it? Um, so, uh, I'm back in the world of Ikerin. Well played, um, sir. Pardon me? Well played. You didn't muck up the name again. I didn't muck up the name again. Thank you for pointing that out, Edgar. <laughs> um, uh, we have heard from Vistan before. Uh, the very first uh, story I set in Ikerin was the fr- the letter from uh, Yarfin and describing uh, the taking of uh, a vessel as a prize. And the second one was the letter written by Vistan um, from the perspective of the crew of the vessel that had been taken. And mm. um, this is from him again, and another letter from him. Cool beans. All right, crack into it there. My dear, I write to you from Lansk once again. I have returned from my journey to the south in pursuit of the Sanan. Once more, our hopes have been dashed, though in a most curious fashion. The Sanan was indeed flown to the Southerly Depot for evaluation and refitting, but shortly before my arrival, a person unknown broke into the company's airfield, whereupon they boarded the Sanan and retrieved an item of great value, previously undiscovered by the spires. This can only be our sacred treasure. All of this information I gained from rumour and hearsay around the depot and the nearby village of Upla. The scant information the rumours held of the suspected thief is as follows. Seemingly a man, he came to the village from the south, travelling by foot, and claimed to be a trader, despite having no pack animals or wares. Though this tale seems fanciful, as nothing lies to the south of the village except the mountains and their many dangers, it was repeated by all I spoke to. Who can this thief have been? None of our people can have come from that direction, and who among us could have single-handedly stolen into the depot and taken our relic without being detected or captured? But yet, who outside our small circle could have known where to look and how to retrieve the treasure from within the Sanan? And what do they intend with it? My heart is greatly vexed by these questions. The last rumour of this thief is that they proceeded north, rather than returning to the south whence they came. How this is known, or why this is believed, I cannot tell, though I suspect its origin may lie with the unsettling intelligence of the company's weirds. With our treasure taken, the vessel and its fate no longer concern me, and the perfidious spires are welcome to it, and may it fall from the skies and scatter its crew upon the plains. And so I return to the north, to Lansk, where I hope to find further rumour of the thief and our stolen relic and once more rely on the passage granted by the Earthani. Every day I thank the skies for their aid and alliance since the day the Earthani captain saved us from the banks of the Abga. But it was not to be so. A few days before my return to the city, a great massacre took place in Lansk. The bailiff of Lansk, a butcherous wretch by the name of Einthov, ordered a Tamar vessel and a company of marines to assault an assembly of workers gathered to demand better wages and conditions. The dead numbered near a hundred, or so I was told, and many arrests were made. An orator by the name of Yathara has been accused of riling the crowd. They call it a mob, though I doubt it was so before the company began to fire upon them, and she is due to be tried in the coming weeks. But I am stranded in this vile city, as the Earthani were too accused of complicity in the dispute and will no longer dock here. The company's patrol vessel 
had the temerity to fire across the Arthani boats and keep them from reaching the shore to assist the assaulted crowd. And so I am keeping low and seeking an alternative means of travelling this hostile land without making my presence known to those who oppose us. My nights have been sleepless with worry for the fate of our people. I will not return to you until I have secured our relic once more and can deliver it safely to its rightful place among us. With love, Vistan. Cool. So the MacGuffin has gone missing. Well, we knew that. Oh, well, it's gone missing twice over. Like it went missing and now it's gone missing, missing. No, we already knew about it being stolen from the depot from a few episodes ago. Oh, that was a thing that I underlined here. Sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, very cool, man. Very cool. I love how you tied in the previous week's thing. Um, with the salt, I uh, with the sorry, with the riot, I I like the the dead numbered near a hundred, and if I remember correctly, which I probably am not uh, I believe the, the the last week's thing put it at a few dozen. Um, yes. So they were they were undercounting what actually went on. I think that's a cool little detail. Or, or someone is overstating the case to Vistan. Or someone is overstating it. We don't know. We unreliable, unreliable narrators. We have no idea what's going on. Um, now, so what else we got? Uh, yeah, I underlined who can this thief have been, and I was like, that sounds an awful lot like a thing that you wrote before. So I just I completely forgot about. Um, <laughs> the bit you say about the perfidious spires. Uh, uh, just quick. Um, what's the political situation like with, with the spires and non-spire folk? Um, I get the impression in my head that the spires are seen as like bourgeois uh, m- metropolises and then, you know, the sort of urban-rural divide. Is that what the sort of thing is uh, going on here? Um, to an extent. Like, they're, they're sort of a, they're kind of colonizing culture. So v- Vistan is from, like, a, 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 his nation would be kind of related. They would be kind of cousins to the, uh, the Avesque. The, who are the spires um, but they would be separate from them um, so that, that's the, the context the political context there and yeah they they seek to exploit other cultures and other nations yeah so they see them as like colonial or potential colonial overlords um, yes that the other people see the yeah the, uh, the, uh, the abesque the spires as co- colonizers or yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, the thing about the uh, the alliance being struck uh, when um, uh, Vistan was saved in the banks of the Abga, call back to a previous bit of writing, wasn't it? That was from Vistan's first letter. Yeah. Yes, I uh, remember. After that. they after they were uh, marooned on the ground, um, they had a few days march to a river where they got picked up by an Arthani captain, yeah. and um, unexpectedly, like it turns out, the Arthani are really sound. Um, or at least are really sound to this time. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, the 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 company having the temerity to fire across their Arthani uh, vessels is that mm-hmm. is that a um, is that a comment on uh, last week's thing about the like the sovereignty of those vessels, or it's just like how dare they fire across my friends? Um. Oh yeah, it's, it's about the, the the sovereignty. Like that's that yeah. was really it was a really brash thing to do. Um, it was kind of like a, a politically outrageous move, almost not quite a declaration of war, but certainly highly oh. aggressive. 
Oh, so wait, I, hang on. So like up up there, like yeah. Oh, I know. You said last week that it was a sort of it was a um, uh, it wasn't great, but I didn't realize it was like one rung down from like we could be going to war here. Maybe maybe not one rung down, but like if they if they were to actually fire upon the vessel, that would have been like a, a kind of a warfare inducing act. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and last thing, not related to this, but actually related to last last thing you wrote. Do you remember mm-hmm. uh, I talked about like does is there a, a real world analog for like this idea of like the sovereign ship or whatever? And it mm-hmm. occurred to me I knew the answer all along. Um, the ambassadors. I remember watching a video ages ago um, that said that ambassadors, when they go into cars or whatever and get driven around the place, um, they that car is then a sovereign like entity or rather it's like it's a like a u.s ambassador in a car that car becomes part of the u.s it's like a roaming uh extension of the u.s uh and i believe that holds for all ambassadors if i can find the video i will i will link it if i can't someone find it for me in, in the reddit but i thought that was a kind of a similar thing like these roaming ships considered part of the artani nation or whatever and then these roaming cars, part of whatever country whose ambassador happens to sit in them. Hmm. Which is pretty That's cool. Interesting. And, and it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense that, like, you know, the ambassador is meant to be in said country. So wherever he goes, it should be that country. Um, but yeah, and so that is, that is all I have. What are your comments uh, on your piece of prose? Um, nothing, nothing in particular. This is actually, someone asked in the, the sub... Uh, on the basis of the last episode about uh, the gender of the various characters I've presented. Um, mm-hmm. In general, in the Abesque and related languages and in their cultures, uh, masculine names will tend to end with uh, consonants and feminine names will tend to end with vowels. Broadly speaking, it's not like a real hard, fast okay. rule, but broadly speaking, that's that you can, you, you can you know, fairly reliably gender someone based on uh, their name. Uh, Vistan is part of the Abbas culture, you said, didn't you? Uh, related, yeah, he's related. related yeah. It would hold for his culture as well. Um, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a bad way of, of going about it. Um, oh, quick thing, sorry, I meant to say, uh, the sacred treasure. We're in Ecairn, which means that we are, we are, we are not in uh, we're not in land where you can't tell me anything. Um, <laughs> can you is, can we say anything about the sacred treasure? Um, no. No. Okay, let me try and, let me try and, uh, uh, get something out of here. Is, do all ships similar to the one that Fistan was on, do they all carry, uh, a a sacred treasure? Or is this a, so this is an item limited to that one ship? It is a unique item, yeah. It is a unique item. What was that one ship delivering that unique item to a place or was that unique item like part of the ship it was more it was closer to it was being delivered to a place okay so ordinarily the sacred treasure would not reside on vistan's ship no no okay okay all right um i think that's all i could get out of you (laughs) (laughs) i'm assuming at some point you will actually reveal what the hell it is yeah well we'll see well 
um, as always, man, thanks, thanks for writing uh, uh, the pros. Also, considering that, like, what has it been? Maybe a week, a week and a half since we last uh, recorded. Two weeks. Um, two weeks, which is unheard of in Artifexia. Um, I did not expect you to have anything done again and yet again you come up trumps with having something done and it's just class. Couldn't let down my fans, man. Couldn't let down the fans, no. Uh, cool. Alright, well, so I think that's writer's room done. Should we Should we move into the green room? Bank of Artifexia time, Bill. Bank of Artifexia. Um... Last last time, um, there was some confusion over whether or not we had Kyrgyz money, mm-hmm. um, the Kyrgyz Sam. Uh, we did, in fact, get Kyrgyz Sam before. Um, it was, I forgot to place that Kyrgyz Sam in its nice holder in my folder, and it remained in the original letter. So I have, so dear person who wrote in, I have not lost it. It was merely hiding in an unexpected place. I knew it. Yeah, no, and the minute you said, that I think it was the opera singer, I was like, oh, that's very familiar. So uh, you were yeah, correct. And it, it was that one. It was, it was like a, a two-psalm note, was it? So, some, something like that. I, I don't currently have a Five-psalm. The Five-psalm note. Um, so anyhow, this uh, this week, uh, we have... Actually, this week is all is like kind of technically correct. Or to, well, we can't say this week because it's been less than a month. Yeah, exactly. I can't say this yeah. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although some might say this this fortnight would be the correct thing to say, really. Also, uh, fortnight, really strange word. That's another one of those things where I'm like, what were you thinking, lads? Um, anywho, anywho, um, we received a letter from Kali, a faithful listener, um, a self-declared faithful listener, Kali, uh, who sent who sent me more Canadian tire money, which I uh, which uh, this person acknowledges that. Um, Someone already made the joke by sen- of sending you Canadian Tire money, but God knows that I'm ever going to spend it. So uh, I've now become the depository for Canadians who don't want their Canadian Tire money, which I think is a wonderful meme. Um, I got two five-cent notes and a ten-cent note, which is, I, th- I believe, a one extra than I had before. So I'm really racking up the CMT collection, which is class. Um, <laughs> so Kali goes into a bit of uh, history about the um, the Canadian tire notes. Just I'll just read it out because I think it's really cool. Um, the mus- the mustachioed man links in the show notes for everyone. Um, with the Tom O'Shatner goes by the name of Sandy McTire because it's Canadian Tire Company. Um, his design was a fifties view of the average Canadian. Uh, or what what the, the company viewed the average Canadian would look like who visited the store. If you can pull up an image there, Bill, I can't believe that someone thought that that was what the average Canadian in the 50s looked like. That's bonkers. Um, look, like, it, lo- it looks what like... What did you say he was called? Uh, Sandy McTire. I mean, that just seems like a racist Scottish caricature. I was just about to say, he, he seems very, very... Scottish, but according to Collie... Like the, the Tam O'Shanter and being called... Like, isn't Sandy, I think, is like a sort of an old-fashioned kind of stock name for, for Scottish people? Is it? Or for a Scottish person? And Mac. I, th- I, I have that in my head from somewhere that Sandy, there's some kind of connection there. Oh. 
Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, I've never, I've certainly never met a, a Scots person with the name Sandy or anything like it. But again, stereotypes. No. It's one of those things. Yeah, I, I think it's like an old-fashioned like stock name, like you know, calling a, an Irish person Paddy or Mick or something. <laughs> I have met an ungodly amount of Paddies and Micks. <laughs> I have several Paddies and Mix in my family, which is great. Um, <laughs> we are not adventurous when it comes to naming. Um, so anyhow, in the 90s, apparently a German man made 11 million counterfeit uh, CMT dollars. Um, in Georgia, someone tried the same trick and tried to make 95 million counterfeit dollars, which it occurred to me, like these are obviously little silly little vouchers for a shop, but like there's no security on them. So you could just like print these. Like, there's no holograms, there's no <laughs> nothing. You could literally just print them off. Uh, apparently, <laughs> they, uh, Colin makes a joke that if the Canadian uh, economy ever goes belly up, um, they have a fallback currency, and that is the Canadian Tire money, which is cool. Um, <laughs> and someone apparently tried to buy a whole canoe uh, with just Canadian Tire money. And given that the denominations are quite small, that's a lot of Canadian Tire money. So, um, so can, you, can you refresh my memory on what this is? Oh, oh crap, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just talked for 10 minutes and you're like, what the hell is he talking about? So, Canadian, there is a shop called, I'm assuming, Canadian Tire. And okay. they issue, like, these vouchers that look like banknotes that you can right. use to buy stuff in their store. And they come in, now again, I don't have the book in front of me, but so in front of me I have 5 cents and 10 cents. Uh, I think there's like a 1 cents and I think they go up to like a quid or whatever. Um, and so that's what they are. Remember? And you can spend them in the store. You can spend them in the store. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what they are. Uh, not official money. Um, they said, <laughs> then the colleague then goes on to say, well, I need to fi- figure out how to send this letter to you, which is, I think is uh, a, a wonderful line, given that I'm holding it. Uh, and they hope that their writing is legible and they enjoy what I had to say about the thing so there we go brilliant we got some more canadian tire money which is fantastic thank you very much collie um i love that someone was like hang on now there's no holograms we can just print these and like why isn't everyone in canada just printing counterfeit canadian tire money like guys what are you doing go go and get yourself a canoe honestly it's lack of ambition <laughs> uh and that is that's everything from Bank of Arifexia. Cool. Um, so, uh, oh, and also, uh, the, the call still stands from the previous show. Uh, if anyone has um, Indian uh, currency, Icelandic currency, and Danish currency, um, and can spare it, uh, you can send it to the address in, in the show notes. Uh, include a letter, include some questions, whatever you want, and we'll read it out in the show as a thank you for uh, taking the time to, to contribute to the Bank of Artifacts, yeah. Thank you very much. Cool. Um, that's that's the show. That's that's the show, yeah. I have I have no news or anything for the green room. Um, so, obviously, uh, people who are now looking at their, their timestamps are like, wow, this is a very, very short episode. Given that we don't usually make multiple episodes per month, uh, this is technically the third episode this month. Um, so we kind of, by design, went a little bit shorter with this one. And regular, normal, like hour and a half or two hour service will resume 
hopefully next month, although that's not a guarantee because I'm going away next month and that might derail that a little bit. Oh, so you um, are. I am. But yeah, so that, this is why this one is so short. Um, yeah, normal service next time. Cool. Until next time. Until next time. Oh, wait, no, sugar. Edgar I, out. No, no, sorry. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Thanks. Look, for I've some... already said Edgar out, so I'm well, done here. I mean, I, I'm done here. Bill just hangs up and leaves. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks for supporting the show on Patreon. Thank you for buying the merch. Apparently, someone bought some licorice merch, which is just epic and warms, <laughs> warms the cockles of my heart. Uh, keep well. Until next time. Edgar Edgar House. House.